Hello, and we are back again on EOTK Insider with the lovely Neil Jones. How are you doing today, Neil? I'm very well, thanks. How are you, mate? Yes, I'm not bad at all. Not bad at all. It, it's, um, it's, I thought I was saying to you just before, it's been a bit of a shocking kind of few sort of days of worth of developments really on the Liverpool uh, fronts. Um, we'll dive into that shortly, of course, Fabinho being sort of the prominent example there. I, I just want to firstly touch on uh, the training camp in Germany, which of course Fabinho hasn't travelled uh, with the squad to go to. Um, Jürgen himself has already paid tribute uh, to a few of the youngsters, Conor Bradley, Bobby Clark, Ben Doak. Um, I just want to check whether, the, does that track with what you've been hearing in terms of how um, the camp's been going so far in terms of who's been impressing? Yeah, I mean, I, t- I don't know about the camp, but I think that the first week, um, last week at, at, at Kirby, clearly a few youngsters put themselves at the front of the queue. And I mean, Bobby Clark and Ben Doak were probably already there. Um, you know, they were they were two who, who featured in the first team last season uh, at various points. But if you look at some of the other names on the list, Lewis Kumas, for example, if you look at James McConnell, um, who, who's a young young midfielder from the under 18s who's who's gone on the on the, the trip, um, they they've clearly put themselves there. You know, they've they, they've impressed in that first week and, and and made sure that they were on that plane and. Good luck to them. You know, there's always a couple, isn't there, that sort of come from nowhere and we, we, we haven't really heard of or we haven't really seen much of. And they, they, be, they become, you know, these sort of the talked about thing in pre-season. Well, a couple of opportunities for players like that. And like you say, for Connor Bradley, who spent last season on loan, did everything that was asked of him going on loan, went, went above and beyond, really, in terms of, you know, playing every game and, and sweeping the board at the, the Bolton Wanderers um, Player of the Year awards. So, yeah, this this. It, I think this is always the. It's obviously not the big talking point at the moment, is it? But it's always the sort of the thing that I, I really enjoy about preseason is just seeing which youngsters take that little next step. And you know, I think if you look at some of the names there, Jarrell Kwanzaa, uh, Lewis Kumas, and in particular um, James McConnell and Callum Scanlon as well, another another young young defender as well, left back. Um, it's a great great couple of weeks for them and real chance for them to to, to put themselves in the manager's eye. I mean, before we get on to sort of more difficult or perhaps more unsavoury topics, uh, I'm kind of curious, obviously you mentioned Callum Scanlon um, on your latest sort of YouTube uh, video. Stefan Bacetic is the one name sort of prominently broke through um, last year and deservedly so um, before his injury curtailed to the end of the season. Um, who are you sort of personally backing to stand out this season and sort of perhaps, you know, make that step up, get 10, maybe 20 appearances in total? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll be a big ask. Maybe it'll be made easier by by some of the you know the transfer stories that we're going to come on into this course. If you were asking me that in terms of talent and 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 potential, I would say Ben Doak is the one that, that looks like he, you know, he the way he plays lends itself to being on the bench, doesn't it, and being brought on in games potentially. And certainly, in, you know, if you've got the Europa League and you've got the domestic cups, if Liverpool have a run in those, I think there's a possibility that you'll see Ben Doak use more this season. I mean, he played, what, I think five games last season. So, yeah, if you were looking at that again and double that potentially. Um, longer term, I, I look at the full-backs and I look at the sort of, you know, the potential to, to, to develop a young full-back and the money that you can save by doing that. And I look at Conor Bradley, I think he's got the game to play in the Premier League. I think he's got to obviously, he's got to find that level and, and, and develop physically. I think Luke Chambers on the other side, who's not in the squad um, for the for the camp, I think he'd probably go out and loan this season. But I look at him as a long-term possibility. And like you say, Callum Scanlon was signed around the same time as Stefan Bajcetic. He came from Birmingham. Bajcetic obviously came from Celta Vigo. 
Um, he's had a bit of a, a tough time. He's had a few injuries, and he you know he didn't play an awful lot last season. But when he came back at the back end of last season, he was really flying, um, really looking like a good player. And he's obviously got a chance to go with the first team. So yeah, I think I think he's got something to keep an eye on definitely. But if you were talking about the next sort of six twelve months, Ben Doak is the player I think who's at the front of the queue. Very exciting stuff as well. I think, um, especially when we're looking sort of that sort of right hand sort of uh, forward role as well. <laughs> you know. Real throwback as well. He's he's a winger yeah. that no matter what you know, sort of where he ends up in his career in terms of the level he finds, he'll be exciting. He'll always be one that you'll want to watch because he's always trying to take people on. He's always trying to get to the byline, get into the penalty area. He's got a really direct style of play. And I think that, like I say, I think that lends itself to being a sub to start with because you can bring him on for 10-minute bursts and have a run of tired legs at full-backs. I mean, we saw him, what he did to Luca Dean last season, didn't we? And we saw him, you know, when he came on against Derby in the in the, the Carabao Cup. So, yeah, he's, um, he's one that gets people off their seats, definitely. I think as long as you've got that sort of pathway there, the door's open, do you know what I mean, to, to impress. And I think it's always uh, nice as well to have a Scott in the squad as well. I think as many as we can get, really. Um, and that one's a sort of more... Unpleasant matters, and that is, of course, the Henderson and Fabinho uh, situation. You've obviously reported, as we mentioned, that he's not in the 32 man squad that travelled to Germany for pre season. Alice has offers come in at 40 million. The club have, I believe, given him permission to kind of undergo all the sort of formalities of a potential deal. Um, I just want to touch firstly on what the internal reaction has been uh, within the squad, within the management, the coaches, because I imagine, you know, this has taken everyone quite by surprise, it's not really an eventuality I imagine everyone was planning for right at the start of the window. Yeah, absolutely. I, it was described to me this weekend by someone within the club as, as a disruptor. Um, that was the word that they used and I think that's, that's the perfect word to describe it. You know, it's, we, we've, we've trailed for a long time the idea of a midfield rebuild and listen, there were times last season I think myself and I think others would have included Fabinho in that midfield rebuild because his form wasn't great but really when when, when sort of the clear heads took hold. The idea that you would get rid of Fabinho this summer just didn't really cross a lot of people's minds, I don't think. And as much, I suppose, for the fact that you maybe didn't think you'd get a, an offer that was worthwhile, but also the fact that he's such a specialist. You know, he's the only real, say natural, but, you know, specialist defensive midfielder in the squad. Some people can play there and, and you know, maybe develop into being that, but he is the only one who plays that position and plays only that position. Um, so for this to appear and not just appear, you know, to appear relatively late in the window, you know, you, you, you class it, of course, we're still in July, but we're less than a month from the start of the new Premier League season. So it is late and it doesn't give you a lot of time. It also means that some players that maybe you might have considered might have moved already um, or might be already signing new contracts or, you know, off the, off the market otherwise. So it does give Liverpool a lot to do. I think the reaction has been, like you said, I think you used the word unpleasant earlier. I think that's it. It's an unpleasant surprise. I think for for Liverpool to be in this position, I don't think they can. I don't think they can really stand in his way. I think the money is is good enough for the player, you know, in in isolation. But it does leave them with a lot of work to do. It leaves them with some big decisions to make over the next few weeks. Not just in terms of who they they target, but the type of sort of. The way they set up their midfield, you know, can they get another Fabinho or do they need to sort of completely redesign it? Do they need to accelerate what they do with Trent Alexander-Arnold and maybe sort of just plan him as a midfielder? Do they need, then need to look at right-backs? There's, there's a lot to unpack with it. But yeah, I think it's um, it's something that, I mean, I don't know the squad's reaction, but I imagine it would not, you know, have um, gone down too well with the squad either in terms of, I think they would have been obviously 
used to the idea of having Fabinho at the base of their midfield. I think there'll be a lot of uncertainty there as well. You know, we haven't even touched on Jordan Henderson yet, of course, <laughs> the captain, um, being in a similar position. But yeah, I think it's um, I think the word disruptor, which was used to me this weekend, I think is pretty much perfect for this. Disruptor doesn't sound great, does it? I, <laughs> I well, mean, it, you know. it can do. If you, um, I've, I've heard it described by players that you know you can sign a disruptor and someone who can break up play. But yeah, this is this is breaking up, no, no. <laughs> breaking up plans rather than play. No, no, in this context, it's not particularly pleasant. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, you talk about getting potentially another Fabinho. One name that you've personally championed on your YouTube channel is that of Benfica's Florentino uh, Louise. I, I will throw further names at you, but I really want to focus on this one first because you've described him. Uh, as a Fabinho-type player. Interestingly, his former coach, and I'm going to butcher this name, uh, João Tralio, I believe, uh, I know, yeah. compared, uh, compared him to Casemiro and he's back to more ready to become an elite player in future. You mentioned that Liverpool aren't officially looking at him yet. Um, I just want to check firstly, has that situation changed at all? Is, it, is that name sort of cropped up? Yeah, um, well, no. It, I mean, they've definitely looked at him in the past, Florentino Luis. I mean, he, he's someone who's had a, a bit of a... A bit of an odd career. I mean, he's, he's been at Benfica for, for many years, but he's been out on loan. He went to Monaco. He went to Getafe in Spain. And he's only really sort of started to establish himself at Benfica, you know, in the last last year or two. And last season in particular, I think he took huge strides forward. And, you know, he was... I, I spoke to people who, who, who know him well and who know it, you know, the, the Benfica system. And they said he, he really became the sort of... A real linchpin, and obviously Enzo Fernandez was was alongside him in the first half of the season. He went on and earned a huge move to Chelsea, but there was a, a a lot of people said, you know, he he wouldn't have looked as good Enzo Fernandez without without having someone alongside him like 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 Florentino. Who from I mean, from what I've seen of him and what I what I know, and you know, you do your, your sort of your research. Defensive work is it, just it's, it's huge. You know, he, he gets through numbers of, of interceptions, tackles. You know. Breaking up play, winning possession—you know—it's scary. I think he was right up with with the, the best in Europe in 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 the Champions League and in in the top five leagues. So, you know, you talk style-wise. If you were looking at a Fabinho replacement and you wanted a Fabinho, the size of him, the type of player he is, the position he plays, like you say, Jao um, Tralau, who I spoke to for the piece, um, I think it was ahead of the Benfica played Leipzig. I think in the was it Leipzig they played. In the Champions League, uh, Salzburg possibly. Um, One of he, the two Red Bulls. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I think it was Salzburg, and and he he, um, he he said to me, you know, yeah, you, you compare him to these these top midfielders. He said, I do think he has the ceiling to be one of these top defensive midfielders. The problem is, and there's a few problems, but Benfica sold Enzo Fernandez in, in January. They sold him for a, an incredible price. They don't tend to sell players on the cheap. Darwin Nunez is another example, obviously. So if you're talking about taking another linchpin of their team or another central pillar of their team, then you're going to have to pay the money. Whether Liverpool would pay, you know, £80 million for someone like that, I don't know, possibly. Um, I haven't heard that they're sort of, they've pushed him to the front of the queue. I think there's an awful lot of names um, on this list at the moment. And Liverpool, I wouldn't say they're throwing darts at the board, but I think they're trying to find... The strategy, really, I think, I think you know, at the moment, there's there's potential that they could go in a couple of different directions. And you know, if you just look at the the sort of range of names that have been linked, I'm sure we're going to go on to talk about them. You can see that there's there's still a bit of uncertainty as to the type of player or the the, the level of player that Liverpool are going to going to try and sign in the next few weeks. But I think if they were if they were to go down the route of a, a like for like with Fabinho, I think Florentino Luis would be a 
someone they consider and B, someone who would be ideal? There's a number of considerations, I, th- I think, within this. Um, I mean, we've seen reports that suggest that uh, Louise's release clause numbers above £100 million. But as you mentioned, even if it doesn't, um, you're looking at Enzo Fernandez being a benchmark. We've got Darwin Nunez as a benchmark. You know, we're talking another quality midfielder player. I- I'm very much down, but Vic would be prepared to say, here's, you know, we'll take £40 million for him. Um, obviously, that's what we're getting in for Fabinho. We were prepared, perhaps maybe, to meet that for Romeo Lavia. Um, so that, that's another situation that potentially affects. Does bringing in a 23-year-old then affect how we look at Bechetic's development? Because obviously we had a relatively perfect scenario where we had Fabinho at 29, you think maybe two, three years, by which point, you know, uh, Bechetic is well, isn't, well into his 20s already and that, that pathway is a lot smoother. Um, I suppose I want to firstly touch, is that release course figure accurate or, or would it be more looking at sort of Fernandez as sort of a benchmark? Yeah, I, I don't know, to be perfectly honest. I mean, Benfica, that's how they, they deal, isn't it? They, they do release clauses and they were able to do it with, with Enzo Fernandez when they were able to, to hold out and say, no, you're going to have to meet it. They found a willing um, dance partner in, in Chelsea. I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone realistically would would pay that for, for Florentino. I think it would be more of a trying to negotiate it. And you know, you've seen it with Darwin and yes, Liverpool. They were able to negotiate a, a fee that was lower than what Benfica originally wanted, but yeah, it's um, it's going to be a lot of money put it that way. And I think the other thing that the knock-on effect of this with Fabinho, obviously, we're talking about it being a disruptor for for Liverpool. The way, the rest of the world knows that as well, don't they? You know, the rest of the world, <laughs> you know, it's not a, when when the when the phone flashes up and it's Liverpool's number, everyone knows what they're after, don't they? You know, they're not they're not sort of they're not able to sort of keep the poker face and say, oh, yeah, we might, we might, you know, we might want a midfielder, we might not, we might want a number six, yeah, maybe not. You know, everyone knows now their need is great and that does have its own impact, obviously, on the market. But all of a sudden, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure a few more players are getting pushed their, their direction, but also I'm sure a few clubs are putting a little bit more uh, sauce on top of the, 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 the transfer fee as well that they're asking. And they know that time's ticking. You know, Liverpool, what is it, 30 days till, till the first Premier League game of the season? Um if that, so yeah, I mean, we're in a we're in a position where Liverpool's need is great, and they don't have a huge amount of time on their side either, which doesn't lend itself to a you know perfect transfer dealings. Well, we'll look at the sort of other names uh, on on the list sort of generally. Um, so we've seen anyone across uh, Sofian Amrabat, uh, Jao Palinha, Calvin Phillips, Ryan Gravenbach, uh, Romeo Lavia, of course. Uh, one name I'm particularly curious about it's one that you've mentioned uh, is a, a two and coop miners um we, we saw reports back in january that Liverpool was scouting him lenders was reportedly a fan a can yeah. play as an eight a six as a center half and he's left footed which is a, a key key consideration in that i think as well the contract runs out in 2025 so you think uh, the asking price wouldn't be totally astronomical speaks english already has a working relationship with virgil van dyke uh, cody gakpo now um yeah. i don't know maybe the boxes are too many boxes are ticking in my mind. I'm sure that there's obviously plenty of other factors Liverpool will consider beyond that, not least of all character. Um, but you know, what sort of stands out there from Liverpool's list? Do they, do they, is there already a hierarchy in place, or are these just sort of names that have been thrown up in the air at the moment? I, I think. Well, I think the, I think all of these names are liked by Liverpool, or at least sort of you know appreciated as potential options. I, I, I don't think. I don't think it's. It's any secret that, for example, Ryan Gravenberg is someone at Liverpool. If if the deal made sense financially and, and, and was available, I think Liverpool would, would like to do it or would have liked to have done it this summer. 
in terms of coat miners, I think the, the the issue is that we don't know yet what Liverpool actually wants. So do they want a Fabinho? In which case, you would probably say coat miners no, because he's not a Fabinho. You know, he's a little bit more multifunctional. He plays, you know, a few different roles. He's probably not a specialist, is he, in, in any of those roles. He, he's, a, he's a talented player and he's got potential. But he would be, if you were buying a Fabinho and then you wanted someone to play, a little bit around that and fill in and, and, and maybe do maybe a maybe more of a Henderson sort of type replacement. Maybe. Um but if the if you do want, you're gonna go down a different route. So look, we're not gonna have a Fabinho replacement. What we're gonna do is we're gonna put Trent in, in there and we're gonna have someone alongside them who's got a, a, a range of passing that's like Jabby Alonso or we're gonna we're gonna go down a road of someone who carries the ball forward, who dribbles from deep and, and, and does those kind of things. You know, so we don't know yet. In, in what what strategy Liverpool are going on? I, I mean, I, I'm loath to say I don't think Liverpool know, but I haven't yet had the sort of the conversation with anyone that's like, no, right, this is where this is where the, the plans are. I think it's obviously still quite fresh. The the offer for Fabinho arrived on Friday. Um, the interest in Fabinho only really sort of emerged what a week ago, if that. Um, so it is still quite new for them. I still I think they're still finding sort of. The idea of what Jürgen wants to do with with the team setup. Don't forget, of course, they signed someone in Alexis McAllister. Who, if you if you do play with two number sixes, and if you do want to play a different style, he could play in there. You've, they've still got Thiago, who, who for now that could play in there with someone else, and you could play that sort of that double pivot um, with him. I mean, Henderson's still at the club. I think he probably there's every chance he does leave, but he's still there for now. So. There's a lot to sort of decide strategically first before you start looking at who's the ideal signing for Liverpool. I, you know, I, I mentioned, I think, I think Florentino, for example, I think Amrabat fits into that Fabinho type player, you know, a real defensive midfield. I think João Palinha fits into that certainly as a, as a, you know, a destroyer in there. But if you're going in a different direction, then other names come, come straight back into view, don't they? And, you know, just, just as a name that I don't know. I don't think Liverpool. I don't think Liverpool would say no if it was if it was a deal that they could be done. But you look at there was a story yesterday in Germany about Leon Goretzka potentially leaving Bayern Munich. You know he's someone who's twenty eight. He's he's really experienced, a physical sort of player. He's a bit different, obviously, to Fabinho, but he's someone that you know if you were going if you were going in a different direction and you wanted a different type of player in there and you wanted someone who's experienced and who's played at the top level, and there's a player there that could potentially be available. So that might, that, you know, opportunity might also dictate where Liverpool go in terms of what type of player they, they target. No, that's, I think Goretzka's an interesting shout, I think, because it, it, it does, for me, it does boil down to how they view players like Bichetic, potentially Lavia, whether they still intend on getting him. Obviously, now this is kind of for an spanner and that works. Because if they do believe Bichetic has all the ingredients, or Lavia has all the ingredients to be, a player that can, you know, be your first choice for years to come from like 21, 22, 23. You're probably not serving their interests well by getting in another sort of 23 year old or, yeah. or, you know, someone of that ilk. So someone of that kind of similar age profile to Fabinho really would be ideal. Um, just to move on to, to Jordan Henderson, you mentioned, I mean, it's, it's looking like, you know, he could also join Fabinho and leave the club, which seems insane, really, given I think last week we were talking about those two players being, you know, the ones you wouldn't sell. You know, Thiago was, was the one we were thinking about. What's the current position now on, on that particular front with, with Al-Etifahi? You know, because we we've seen varying reports that, you know, they wanted to 
quadruple his wages. Some have said, actually, no, it's, it's not as much than that. It's, it's around the 200,000 mark. Um, what's the current situation? Yeah, well, it hasn't moved it, 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 as far as I know since sort of late last week when, when obviously it all blew up with, with you know, the, the talk of the, the offer that had been made to Jordan, the fact that he was, he was leaning towards accepting it. Um, of course, he travelled with with the squad on on Saturday, which was you know pretty significant given who who stayed behind. Um, so it suggests that nothing's been nothing's been agreed certainly. And Liverpool's stance has been they're aware of the the interest, they're aware of the players, if not his his absolute determination to leave, but certainly is the fact that he like you say leaning towards leaving, the fact that he's, his head's been turned, put it that way. Um, but their, their stance has been okay. Well, let let the, let the club make the offer and let's see what we can do, you know, about that. And as of yet, I don't believe there's been a certainly not been an acceptable offer made to Liverpool. I don't even know if there's been an actual offer made by Alex. In fact, there was obviously talk last week that they 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 believe they could get it done on a free transfer that was dismissed. I mean, it was laughed off by by Liverpool. Even the idea of sort of a ten million, seven to ten million price tag was laughed off, and it was sort of spoke about straight away that, you know, try doubling that, really. And you've seen the name, I'm sure you've seen it, but Kaladu Koulibaly's name has been used. You know, that's that's sort of Liverpool's gauge, really, on these things. And they do that quite a lot when they're, when they're selling players. You know, they they look at comparable deals that have been done elsewhere. And Koulibaly was 32, went from Chelsea for 17 million, I think, or up to 20. So I think you could you could take that as a, a, a very fair reference point for Jordan Henderson, who's Liverpool's captain, his start in games for them, played 40 40 odd games last season. I think he's only missed six Premier League games in the last two years. So it's certainly not, you know, they're not taking a fringe player. They're taking they're taking someone who's who's quite significant at Liverpool if they do. And so it's down to them to to find you know, the offer that Liverpool accept. Um, it does feel it feels strange when you read it and you say, obviously, you know, you hear this offer that's been made for Jordan. And I, I believe it's a very significant offer. I don't think it's. Um, I don't think we're talking Premier League wages for Jordan Henderson. I think we're talking sort of you know wages that you you just wouldn't get uh, in, in at thirty three in the Premier League. Um, if you're talking about that, and then you're talking about them sort of haggling over a transfer fee, it just feels a bit strange, doesn't it? You know, in in, in that sense. But I I think there'll be developments this week. Obviously, um, I think it'd be interesting to see if it's not done by Wednesday. There's a friendly match with with Karlsruhe. Obviously, it'll be interesting to see whether Jordan plays in that. Um, interesting to see, obviously, because I mean there'll be media of that game. You know what the first question that Jürgen's going to be asked pre and post match: what's going on? Um, it'll be interesting to see what sort of answer he gives. Um, whether Jordan himself speaks out, um, I'd expect things to start moving forward this week on that. Um, I mean, there's, there's plenty of angles we can sort of go at from here. Really, uh, one thing I want to sort of touch on really is the, the captaincy situation where this would leave Liverpool. Uh, we know there was a six-man uh, group of which the likes of Virgil van Dijk, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Alison Becker are all part of. Hypothetically, I, I would assume the next in line would be Virgil van Dijk, but I imagine there's got to be a level of temptation on the club's part to hand it over to a local lad, an academy graduate, in Trent Alexander-Arnold. He's, he's of that age, of that maturity now, where it would almost... I don't know, maybe I'm thinking of it too romantically, but it would make sense to a certain degree if, if you're sort of looking at sort of where you want to take the club in the next sort of era, that makes sense. Yeah, it would. If he didn't have two years left on his contract, then you've, you're going to have to renegotiate that at some point. So <laughs> whether that's factored into the, the negotiations or not, 
possibly, you know, it, that could be a sort of a double double unveil. I think it'll be Van Dijk who, who would take the captaincy if, if Jordan left. And then obviously, if you think about Van Dijk, what's 30, 31, 32? So you potentially got Trent to grow into that and become it, you know, in, in, in two years' time, say. Um, you know, maybe move into the vice captaincy role. Obviously, there's other players there, Andy Robertson, um, Alison Becker, obviously, are around there. I mean, we were already discussing, weren't we, potentially, I think, maybe Mo Salah moving up and being being part of that leadership group. You know, it's, it always felt a bit strange that he never did, you know, given how long he's been at the club and the impact that he's had and the sort of the, 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 the standards that he sets. You know, you would have thought he'd be ideal. Um so yeah, I would I would say we Van Dijk, but I I completely understand that point. You know that sort of symbolism, really. That you know, look, this is this is our star almost. This is our sort of you know our, our figurehead um, for the next, like you say, next five ten years. Um, <laughs> just yeah, there's there's obviously a situation with Alexander Arnold's contract that probably needs to be resolved in the next few months. I don't think it'll be a problem necessarily, but until that is, maybe that you know you you don't want to be also burdening them with with captaincy. <laughs> He, he seems to um, it, it seems to be the response, doesn't it? When when he has a, a tough time, Alexander Arnold, the sort of the way to get the best out of him is to give him more and more responsibility. You know, put him in midfield or put him on set pieces, and you know, sort of really really make your, your team built around him. I think he will be captain of Liverpool one day for sure. I, I think it might just be in, in a year or two. I mean, you mentioned about the contract situation. I think. <laughs> I'm, I'm loath to say that you know, oh, don't worry about that. Liverpool will absolutely get that sorted because I mean. We both, and imagine many Liverpool fans, didn't expect this for Henderson and Fabinho situation. What we're talking about with wages is it just distorts the market, doesn't it? You know, you're trying to renew a contract on, like I say, on Premier League money, you know, and and players know this. And I, I, you can't speak for every player. I think Son, Son Heung-min today has come out and said, hasn't he, that he, he had a, a huge offer to go to Saudi and he's turned it down. Some players will, some players it won't, it won't be a factor. But... I tell you what, you know, if you're going to be, if you're an agent and you're negotiating wage, wages for top players, you know, new contract, you're at least going to be sort of mentioning the money that's on offer in, in Saudi, and you know, you're at least going to be in in your mind somewhere. And I think what this has done in the last week, from from a, I think from the Henderson in particular, it's sort of given a reminder to sort of every club in the Premier League that you know your players are touchable. You know, there will there will be there will be a, a figure or there will be a sort of a way that the heads can be turned and. You know, from a Liverpool perspective, that 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 should bring some fears. You know, they would, they've got a few aging players, haven't they? Who are still very important. They've got Virgil Van Dijk, they've got Andy Robertson, they've got Allison. You know, the Brazilian contingent is, is shrinking, obviously, by the by the day almost. You know, so there will be some fears around those those things. But yeah, I think um, I hope, I hope, and I pray in, in Trent's case that you know it's not going to be a major issue. No, I think the the considerations. Fortunately, are different, I suppose. You could argue from sort of Henderson's, Henderson's perspective in the 30s, 30s, he's looking at sort of protecting his sort of financial future. Whereas you think for a player like Trent Alexander-Arnold, who, you know, seems to be, could now grow more into sort of the England squad, which seems to be an important consideration for him as well. It just seems, I don't know, it would seem a bit abnormal for him to consider seriously an offer from Saudi Arabia from a competitive perspective and a personal perspective. Um, yeah. It just, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping. It would, it would, but I think that... That will happen at some point with with not necessarily with Trent, but it will there will be a player that that's in his you know at the start of their career or in their, their peak years. I mean, we're seeing a few players. You know, you look at Sergei Milinkovic Savic has gone over, hasn't he? Ruben Neves has gone over. You know, you're sort of looking at a few players potentially. I mean, I think Romelu Lukaku's obviously been been linked quite strongly. You players who you think 
they still got good years left in them, you know, in, in European football. And we, we sort of, we, we, we would plot, we would have plotted them going to big European clubs. You know, I think Milinkovic Savic, for example, has been linked with, with Real Madrid in the past. You know, obviously, um, Ruben Neves was linked with Barcelona quite strongly. So there will be a player that goes from the Prem, probably an English player that goes and you think, wow, like, you know, you're only 21. What are you doing? You know, but I suppose we can't countenance it. We know we can all have the, the moral debate and we can all sort of say, oh, this this is not life, you know, why can you call it life-changing money, which is something I think. But until it's sort of there, you know, if you're, if you're there as a 21-year-old, someone says to you, I'll give you £20 million a year for two years and you're 23 when you're finished and you can go and carry on and try and do what you want. It will turn people's heads. There will, there will be players that, you know, there will be bombshells, I think, coming in the next sort of, probably by the end of this window, but in, in windows to come, where we say, oh, wow, like, you know, the next big thing's gone over there, or that now they've taken someone's star play. You know, you're looking at Fulham are probably going to lose their top scorer in, in Mitrovic, you know, from, from last season. There, there will be big, you know, big names, but also younger names, I think, will start to go as well. And that is, it, it is a very, um, very strange time, an uncertain time, I think, just for the, the sort of European and the Premier League football ecosystem. No, I mean, the Netherlands one was particularly shocking at 26. I, I think you're spot on, though. I think if the Saudi financial bubble doesn't burst like it did in China, I think it will be they will be targeting the opposite ends of the spectrum as well, when they're 30, when they're early in their 20s, as you say, and they can still sort of go, well, you can still have a career if this doesn't work out for you when yeah. you hit 23. So I think that will be sort of that sort of, before they hit that sort of age maturity, when you're like sort of 24 or 25, and you're thinking, well, now I need, really need to kick on in a, a, a solid top flight uh, league. Um, I, I just want to touch on what Liverpool's plans are sort of going forward. Obviously, it, it's clear now, it would be clear to any other club um, who possesses a holding midfield that Liverpool are interested in, that Liverpool wants a holding midfield, they want a, a Fabinho replacement. Um, where does this figure generally with Liverpool's plans moving forward? Will we see a minimum of two players sort of walk into the door? Especially, I would imagine, if Jordan Henderson does go, I think that has to be an absolute minimum requirement. Um, that then might change what they plan for the centre half that comes in, because I imagine you think Liverpool thinking, well, Christ, we need to spend some serious money here. This isn't just about bringing in a forty million player who can grow alongside Fabinho. We need genuine quality right now. Plus another, if Henderson goes. Absolutely. I mean, it, that is the fascinating part of it for me. Is that I, I wrote this morning. I wrote a piece on, on my Substack page about not since Coutinho left. And it was about five years ago, five and a half years ago. Liverpool lost the player they wanted to keep. But in the Fabinho case, the money was that good that you you couldn't argue it by the end once they'd spent the money that they had, that it was a bad thing. You know, it, it, it clearly worked out for Liverpool. They were able to go and pretty much finish off their team, weren't they? They were able to finish off the house. The money for Fabinho and Henderson is decent for their age, but it's not. It's not like game-changing money, is it? You know, it's not going to sort of, right, you can go and get whoever you want. I wonder, I wonder what it does for Lavia. I think he's, I think he's the most immediately interesting case because if you think that he's got the potential to be your long-term starter and clearly somewhere down the line someone does and Arsenal think it and Chelsea think it, they wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be in, in this mix if not. Do you gamble on him? And do you say, well, do you know what? We're going to just we're going to just put it on his shoulders and bite Chelsea's shoulders, and we'll say, look, see if you can swim. Now, it would be a hugely risky thing, but what it would also enable Liverpool to do is maybe is just expedite a couple of other areas. Now, they might that might they might say, well, I'll tell you what, we're gonna we're gonna really beef up 
centre-back or we're going to buy a right-back and we're going to put Trent into it as a midfielder. We're going to just consider Trent as a midfielder and we're going to sort a right-back out. And that, that gets rid of a problem down the line for us. There's, there's, there's four or five real options that they could do. They could do, they could do a straight replacement of Fibinho where they, they sign Amrabat. They could do a get that, that situation where they go on a younger player and maybe try and get another midfielder that's a little bit more sort of multifunctional, like we said about someone like a Coop Miners or someone like that, and just beef up the sort of the, the general options where you can just mix and match and, and sort of make do. They could go and focus on the defence and, and, like I say, and, and take a gamble on just Lavia as, as, a, as a midfield option. It's a really difficult one. I, I'm not... I'm not 100% sure what I would do. My my sort of natural tendency would always be carry on what you've been doing in the past. So I'd probably go down and you know try and find another Fabinho. But there are options available to Liverpool, and I think the the two the two factors that are most intriguing for me is what they think about Alexander Arnold and what they think about Lavia. And you know, do they think that those two could be your midfield, your, your base of your midfield next season? And if so. Go and do it. You know that would be that would be the sort of you know the, what I would say. Um, but there's an awful lot more being considered, and I do think you have to as well. You have to factor in Fabinho. 219 games he played in, in in just over five years at Liverpool. You know that's like you say it's for, you know 40 plus games a year. That's a lot of reliability that they're, they're losing in, in that in, in Henderson even even more so. You know 700 uh, between them games that they've played. They really need to have players who are on the pitch that, that they bring in. You know, whoever whoever they sign has to be available. They cannot be taking gambles on players who miss games. You know, twenty games a season through injury, who have a checkered past, or you know, in that regard, they need to be getting as much reliability as they can get in. It might be it might be up and down in terms of form if you're getting a younger player in, and you know, you have those ways. But they need to be players who who, who they can they can get on the pitch and build you know something around. It's a funny thing, isn't it? I think if you were to ask Liverpool, would you rather have a situation where all the sort of positions are ticked off and you just need to bring in a holding midfielder? Or would you rather have a position where you, you need to bring in a holding midfielder, but you've got players like Alex McAllister, Jordan Henderson, who can play the six, obviously, you know, maybe not as well as Fabinho can. Jones played there, but I think we talked about this last week. Again, playing there in the, in the under 21 Championship is very different to playing there in the Premier League. Um, Liverpool will probably say, well, we'd rather have the flexibility. But this then, as you say, creates a problem of, well, if we have Trent coming in as part of the base, is there as much of a need for that sort of singular, you know, holding six? Or do you just need a versatile player like a Coop Miners who can just flit in and about? You know, is there as much of a need for an emphasis? Um, it's an <laughs> interesting point, I think, for fans to debate. Um, I just lastly, before... Yeah, so yeah, what I would say is, I was just going to say is, I think if you look at the rivals Liverpool have got, They've all really got that that centerpiece midfielder. I mean, you know, you look at Casemiro, like we said. You look at Declan Rice now has just gone to Arsenal. You look at Rodri, the impact that he's got at City. So you're looking at the. I mean, Enzo Fernandez was was, was Chelsea's big signing. Um, so it would suggest that Liverpool would be doing it differently, wouldn't he? If they were if they were going down that route of just having a sort of rotating cast of players who can sort of do a little bit of everything. But you know, it could work. You know, it, it, it's 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 not. That's not to say it can't work. It would just be it would be a bit of a removal from sort of trend, if you like. If, if Liverpool were to go down that route, um, I, I would lean towards the sort of the idea that they will find a, a specialist number six. 
It's just, I think maybe the question along there is, do they buy two of them or do they buy one and a, and a multifunctional or do they buy a young one or two young ones or, or you know, do they do they sort of buy the the, the, the off-the-shelf ready-made sort of player? Um, there's there's a lot, I think, still to, to be discovered in this window. And I, I mean, I expect it will be discovered quite quickly because I think Liverpool would, I don't, I don't think they're in a position where they can let this drag on into August. I think they need to sort of get there. They need someone who's going to start at Stamford Bridge pretty much, don't they? Absolutely, but this is where Smatka will be sort of uh, Smatka and the coaching staff generally will be pulling their hair out because if you do, you know, go against the grain here and it goes wrong, you suddenly maybe next summer need to be spending a lot of money on that sort of centerpiece specialist number six. When you also need to be spending money on revitalising your back line, you've got Salah's contract right. <laughs> so this is such a, a, a key integral summer. They need to get this one right. And um, just just lastly, because I feel we could, we could go on for ages about the <laughs> situation. Um, I just want it, to. It's gone a bit quiet of late, but I wanted to know if you heard anything fresh about sort of Nat Phillips that we saw reported a couple of weeks ago about Leeds interested, a ten million figure asking price was at, was touted at the time. Has the interest cooled now? Are they, are they still keen? No, I think I think it's. I don't. I think the ten million asking price is putting a. I, I think that's top end. I think people will try and get Nat Phillips cheaper than that. I don't. I'd be amazed if Liverpool went for another loan. I mean, he's still got some time on his contract, but if Liverpool was another loan, it just feels, you know, it would feel crazy from from his point of view and from the clubs. I think Nat will leave this summer. I think he will get. Excuse me, get a transfer. It's a question of who's going to. Make the best off, and I, I think it'll be less than ten million. I think Liverpool would love to get ten million. It might be one of them that you know they have these incremental bonuses that you know if he if he wins Ballon d'Ors, he eventually gets up there and things like that. Um, but I think he will leave. Um, he's with the he's with the squad. Obviously, I think he's 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 had a bit of a fitness issue. He's been recovering from. Um, I'm, I'm not sure he's been in. I think he's only just he he wasn't straight into full training. Um, when he came back, I think he is now, or he's certainly in, in more training. So I think he'll possibly see out this this Germany tour, um, and then we'll, we'll see things start to move with with him. I, I think it'll probably be either abroad or the Championship. I, I would imagine would be his his destination. Um, and then the question is obviously who's gonna who's gonna come up with the the money to pay. I saw he was linked with Feyenoord, obviously quite recently, wasn't he? Which would you know. On, on the face of it, seemed like a really good move for him. I think Leeds would be a fantastic move for him, or Leicester. Um, you know, if, you, if you're going to the top end of the Championship for someone who's fighting to get back in the Premier League, I think that might be the way for Nat to, to, to become a Premier League player uh, again. You know, to, to, to go up with the team and, and become central to them. So, I think he will leave definitely. I, 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 listen, I've said it before. And, you know, we, we've. I think Nat's. I think Nat said it himself almost, and you know, he, he he couldn't picture himself still being at the club after the end of a transfer window. And he is. Um, I, I'd be amazed if that was the case this time. I think he's definitely definitely one that's going to leave. I think he's more than earned to move. Uh, to be honest, by that yeah. point, I, I feel for him. To be honest, he's yeah. more than good enough to be at a, at least a mid-table Premier League side. I'd say. Um, well, I mean, that's all from us here today. It's been all change here at Liverpool. Fabinho's on the way out. Jordan Henderson could soon be following in his footsteps. Uh, but this much, obviously, is clear. Liverpool need a holding midfielder. In what form that will take, we will, of course, have to see. We've had the lovely Neil Jones here with us on EATK Insider. And you can see all his latest work on Substack at neiljay.substack.com and on Twitter at neiljonesgoal. And this will, of course, be on our Substack at empirethecop.substack.com. And if you're watching this on YouTube, feel free to drop us a like. Let us know your thoughts on all the happenings in the local transfer space. 
and drop us a subscribe uh, just for the fun of this cheeky window. Uh, this has been Ear to K Insider with Neil Jones. Take care. <laughs>